cleared for takeoff. Welcome once again to Jet Fuel, the Jets Discord podcast. As always, I am your party host, Joe Rivera. Along with me is my very educational and very astute co-host, Matt Szilard, a.k.a. King Sliz. Sliz, say hello, my friend. Hey, Joe, I, I hope if you got somewhere to be that you're leaving early because uh, I think there's a, a funeral procession today. Um, I'm not wearing black. I'm wearing all white today in, in, in memory, loving memory of the spirit that is the white lotus aka mike white (laughs) i i uh, I think we saw his uh his qb1 dreams certainly they were slipping away i think they they totally evaporated and and they're in the grave now oh my god last night (laughs) sliz and that's that is the perfect beginning as we start our podcast as we always do with the runway rundown so obviously monday night uh, preseason game number two versus the Falcons and Mike White got the start. He played a little over a half. Let me tell you, it wasn't pretty. <laughs> it was what a lot of us, and I said this on the last episode, listen, we say this on the Discord every day. Jets fans, on at least online, love bits. They love memes, right? Mike White had a very nice start. He got them a very nice win last year versus the Bengals. Everybody who who dug into the numbers saw that it was less what Mike White did and more what the Bengals didn't do. And you saw last night, and you saw in the second preseason game versus the versus the Falcons that the guy has limitations. He is who we thought they were. Rest in peace, Denny Green. Again, you want to just recap what what we saw last night, Sliz, because it, it's what everybody everybody thought would be of Mike White. All the rational fans, at least. Yeah, yeah. So there, I don't know. There's a lot that jumped out yesterday in, in the preseason game as a whole. So obviously, we rested starters. Um, I, I believe I saw we rested 17 out of 22 starters, and really kind of any anyone with more than a year experience of the, the starters that uh, potentially didn't sit were like a Sauce Gardner, who, who's probably projected to be a starter as a rookie. All, all the rookies played, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, my, <laughs> getting to Mike White. So, yeah, we did match up against some of the Falcons starting defense to start the game, but he got a whole half and he didn't look good at all at any point in the half. Um, There are multiple times where whether it was a a ball sailing well well over ahead, whether it was a pass behind his target or simply just like I I know there is there is a couple series of plays maybe towards the end of the half where it was like second and 20 third and 20 and he's like doing three step drop taking a five yard check down like first read and it's like dude you have a clean pocket Mm -hmm. (laughs) what are we doing here man like it's preseason let it rip show what you got yeah and and again that's that's always kind of what that's what he was last year and that's what he was during the Bengals game and Again, we we discussed this on the podcast before, and we've discussed this ad nauseum. His average depth of target in that game versus the Bengals was like three yards. And the receivers picked up like 12 yards uh, per per reception or something. So there was an, a ridiculous amount of yak that was given up in that game. And the Bengals just never adjusted. They never adjusted to it. And listen, he, he made some good throws. I don't want to disparage him too much. He made some some fine throws. Like, he kept, obviously won the game for them. Nobody really expected it, but this is who he is. Like, this is what, you saw, what you've seen this preseason, what you saw versus the Falcons. Is, that is who Mike White is, and he, he's nothing special. He's a guy that will, will, I guess, 
a, a step above Luke Falk, if you even want to go there. Like, you know, I'm, I'm sorry to bring up sore memories, Jets fans, but that's really what this guy is. And, and, and I'm a big radio guy and I listen to WFAN all the time. And I had to listen, I had to sit here and listen all last year. I had to listen to these, to these blowhards earlier this year. Oh man, you know, Mike White looks like a professional quarterback as compared to Zach. He looks like this. He looks like that. Are there things that Zach could have learned from Mike White? Sure. He would take the easy play when it's there, but that's the thing with Mike White is that he always takes the easy play and he can't do much of anything else. So I'm, I'm, I'm ready to close the book on Mike White. Um, I'm officially done with him. Unfortunately, because of Zach's injury, he's not going to be cut now because you can't, it's it's going to be, it's going to be tough to navigate that. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the shame of it is is you'd hope, hey, we can get a, a free roster spot, we can cut him, save some cap space, and then if he makes it to our you know, if he makes it through waivers, makes it to the practice squad, great. But but like you said, was that Kurt missing one, potentially two weeks, uh, maybe even more, hopefully not. But yeah, the just the mindset of our coaching staff has always been to carry three quarterbacks. And certainly when QB one is injured, I, I don't see them rushing to cut Mike White. He'll, he'll probably make the initial roster. Right. Um, so just from a kind of a macro roster management perspective, it, it does kind of a, a ripple effect, so to speak, of Zach's injuries. It makes makes it tougher for for other roster battles where okay, now this is a roster spot we maybe could have freed up and now it's locked into a quarterback and you're having to make a tough cut somewhere else. I would have much rather seen Josh Johnson playing this offense than Mike White, if we're being honest. Yeah. I don't know what that's saying, but while we're down on one quarterback, we're, I don't want to say high on another, but we're slightly high on another. And that's Chris Strebler who, listen, here's another guy that he's probably not an NFL quarterback, right? But he came out last night on, on Monday night, I should say. And he did his job and he did what he was supposed to do. And Jets defense pitched a second half shutout. And Chris Strebler, man, uh, King Shrev, Sliz, your thoughts on Strebler? Yeah, I think um, certainly on social media and, and just Jets fans everywhere, anytime you see a quarterback lead a touchdown drive, you immediately, <laughs> we're, we're so starved for quarterback <laughs> play, for, for productive offenses where you kind of overreact to anything. It's like, man, this guy's this this guy's Lamar Jackson light. Like, <laughs> he he can he can run. He he evades pressure. He's able to hit, hit hit guys between the hashes. He can't. He doesn't have accuracy outside of the hash. And just just like Lamar Jackson, maybe that's a hot take. But um, <laughs> I don't know. Like, he he's he's fine. He's a he's a practice squad caliber quarterback. He's a guy. Speaking of Lamar Jackson, and I, you know, I kind of joke there. He's probably a good scout team quarterback as we're going mm-hmm. into Week One. Of hey, this is a guy who he will. If and we saw it in the Monday Night Football game. If you're in man and your entire your entire defensive backfield's got their back turned and there's a lane, he's going to tuck it immediately and run and, and gash you for 10, 13, 14 yards, right? So. I don't know. I would love the world where we cut Mike White, just let Strevler get to the practice squad and then elevate him for the two to three games that we need him off the practice squad. Um, I don't see that happening, but yeah, I feel good for the kid at least going out. And, you know, this is not not the first time he did this last week, too, in preseason game one, where he kind of took over a losing a losing effort, righted the ship and, and got us a win. So um Feels good for him. Uh, at least gives us a chance to vet some of the other options on the offense, kind of down the depth chart. He is 
connecting passes. He's getting balls into guys' hands and letting them kind of show their stuff and and make a kind of late roster push here. So in that sense, he's doing what what he should. But, yeah, certainly let's uh, nip this early. This is not Mike White 2.0. He's not QB1. He's not QB2. Uh, shouldn't be on a roster anywhere. Uh, I know I saw in the discord somewhere like, Oh man, like if we cut both Mike White and Shreveler, there's a good chance that one of them gets claimed. Or even if we try to sign them to our practice squad, like one or both of them could get signed to an active roster. It's like, man, like that's not happening. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like let it go. (laughs) I just, let me tell you, man, I, I long for the days where we get to August, late August. And we're not talking about any quarterback except QB one. Like that's the fantasy, right? Because it was last season with Zach. It was before that it was with Darnold before that, you know, it, it just, it keeps going. <laughs> and I know this is very meta jets talk, but like, I'm so tired of it at this point, man. And it sucks. Cause like, there were so many, we talked about this on episode one, episode two, there were so many good vibes with Zach. When you heard from practices, he started to stack good days and then he gets hurt. And now you're talking about white again. You're talking about Flacco and you're talking about Straveler and you're talking about, it's just like, enough already man i just hope i hope we get to a point where this won't be dominating our discussions in preseason and years moving forward so we'll see we'll see so another standout or at least a guy that was pretty noticeable on monday night was michael clemens and it certainly looks at least early on and the motor is very clearly there and one thing from clemens that i've noticed sliz is that he's a lot bigger than i think i expected him to be i don't know um, he's very noticeable out there, man. And and I don't know if he actually wears shoulder pads or not, but uh, he he's big out there, man. He's intimidating. And uh, I, I thought he had a pretty solid game versus the Falcons in, in the second. And even going back to the first preseason, preseason game, he didn't look too bad. So what, what did you think about Clemens last night? And, and where do you think he kind of fits in this defense? Yeah, yeah. So like you said, and I, I think I posted it in the game thread kind of as we were watching live that like, exactly to your point this dude like stands out on the field after a play when he stands up it's like oh that's michael clemens like Mm -hmm. he's an animal um i I think he he is what he is and he knows what he is right he's not a dude that he's very high-hipped he's not gonna beat you with speed around the edge he's not gonna dip under uh he's gonna he's gonna run at you and through you and if he gets a if he gets a jump and gets across your face like he did on the one uh those kind of I think it was the goal line play when the Falcons were down at the goal line uh, on like the one yard line half yard mm-hmm. line and he was timing up that snap he exploded across the tackle's face hit the ball carrier in the backfield Andrew a holding ended up I, I think they had to settle for a field goal that drive um con- consistently and you saw it throughout that whole game yesterday his role is going to be very much a rotational end it's going to be to bring power and he's probably and and maybe this is a getting ahead of myself but he's probably the best weak side run defender that we have in our edge position group and when I say that it's when the ball's running just up the middle or running away from him he collapses that entire side He's bringing not only his guy, but he's going through the guard, through the center. If there's a hole, he's collapsing it, and and he's going to keep chasing it too, even after the play's behind him. So um, maybe the the uh, the best edge player that the Jets drafted in the twenty two draft. Stop it. We'll see. Maybe Stop maybe uh, 
I, I'm it. a little more down on Jermaine Johnson than most, but uh, no, I, I think it. realistically, if he gives you this for four years on his rookie contract, him being Michael Clemens, I think you're happy. He's he's your he's your fourth or fifth edge guy that you're throwing in there to to bring some heat, and he's probably a guy we are putting in trying to get rotated in on those short yardage and goal line packages because you you can't move him, and he's probably moving you. Yeah, he's he's like Jordan Jenkins. Just his bull rush is actually effective. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, exactly. Like Jordan Jenkins had one pass rush move, and it was the bull rush, and he always went up there, and it he never seemed to move guys deep, but. When Michael Clemens bull rushes you, you're going to feel it and you're going to see it. Like he moves dudes. And granted, I know he's playing against mostly against second and third string guys. So we haven't seen that yet a lot against first string guys, but we'll see, man. We'll see. I, if, if you get anything out of him, you know, getting him a mid round guy, it's, it's a plus. It really is. And even at his age, he turned 25. Like we made jokes last week about, about how old he is, but 25 gives you four good years on his rookie deal. Like as a solid rotational player, that's not bad getting that in the mid rounds. It's really not. So yeah. Yeah. You probably wish we were getting out of that, that out of like a, a Zuniga and a, a, mm. a guy polite in, in mm-hmm. previous years. Right. And right. It, it creates kind of a weird dynamic where our edge room is so deep. And, you know, another name that popped last night was uh, Bradley and a who mm-hmm. had that. He had, I think he had either a, uh, pressure or sack early in the game and then he had the strip sack fumble recovery for a touchdown late um he he was a guy that we picked up as a waiver claim last year and it's like oh man it'd be awesome to roster this guy but there, there aren't spots so mm-hmm. hopefully with, with all the dudes we have in that room we're not gonna be able to carry them they're uh, like and i he probably won't make it through waiver claims i'd expect um he didn't last year right we claimed him so that Hopefully, maybe a guy you see guys this time of year getting flipped for six, seventh round picks. Hopefully, a guy we can beef up a little bit of that late day three capital with, um, as opposed to just losing them for nothing. Right. So we're gonna fight now, Sliz. We're gonna fight, and I've been I've been alluding to this all day. Why do you hate Jermaine Johnson so much? We're we are two games into preseason, man. Two games. Can you give the Can you give the kid? A month? Can you give them like a half a regular season before we're throwing them out in the street? And you know, you're not the only one. I'm I'm mostly joking with you because I know you're one of the more fair guys on the on the Discord. But I mentioned this a lot too, and it's it's difficult with the internet. Is it's hard to tell where the bit ends and where the re- reality begins sometimes, especially with a lot of people on the Jets Discord. Listen, I, I understand that I'm not deep in the scouting world like a lot of you guys are. Um, I, I read what everybody else reads. I know. Connor Rogers was a guy who was pounding the table for this guy more than anybody else. And listen, he didn't look too bad. I didn't think he was too awful as a pro. He didn't look too awful as a prospect. Again, that's with my semi-limited knowledge of watching tape and all this stuff. But what are you, what are your qualms with him? What have you seen so far that's kind of raising red flags? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, there there is some meme to it. I think there's still the the bitter taste of. Yeah, you, know, you had like a Connor Hughes saying, "Oh, Jermaine Johnson might be the pick at four. and it's like, "Whoa, that's a mm-hmm. total different calibration than right. where we actually got Jermaine Johnson at the end of the first, trading up and getting him at twenty six, right? So it's kind of like people, people I think are still and maybe myself include looking at him under that, like, oh, this guy was lauded as a top ten pick across the draft community, right? Right at mm-hmm. top ten by by some, borderline top ten by some. 
Um, probably got drafted where he should have. I, I think there are some contexts and, you know, you'll see people, oh, he, he, he was supposed to be top 10. He slipped all the way to 26. And, and I've done this exercise in the Discord with guys a couple times of like, okay, pull the picks between Garrett Wilson, who we took at 10, and Jermaine Johnson, where he actually went. And it's like, there's a massive wide receiver run. There's a lot of premier talents, best at their position type guys, like a, a like a Kyle Hamilton, like a Tyler Linderbaum. Uh, there weren't a whole lot of picks in there. It's like, oh man, Jermaine certainly should have gone over this guy. It's not like there are a bunch of edges that leapfrogged him. So I guess I wanted to get all that context out there, but um, it goes for Jermaine. It, it goes a little bit for Brees too, and, and kind of my perception of him. It's, it's kind of negatives that you saw in college and not that they're going to fix things overnight, but it's, it's kind of when you watch the preseason game and you see Jermaine coming off the edge. So, Oh, he's at a wide nine that gives him basically a, a full head of steam to attack his tackle. That's what, where, why we drafted him, how we want to utilize him. You see him run at the tackle and then has no, no rush plan. He does a spin move right into his arms, like not really setting it up with a counter or anything. Um, I, I guess that's where some of the hesitancy is, is he does, he doesn't seem to have a good rush plan. And in college, I, I think that was true as well. I think the tools are there. So that gives you a good base. You hope that whether it's working with the Carl Lawson of any Curry, our, our coaches that they, they help him kind of translate, okay, the physical tools into the actual technique, um, well, that's where some of the hesitancy is, is, is just his rush plan isn't there. I think outside of his bull rush, which he wasn't using a whole lot yesterday, and maybe he's trying to expand expand the game a little bit, expand his pass rush palette, so to speak. But, you know, he kind of has that speed to power, similar to an Aiden Hutchinson had. Um, he can beat you around the edge, but he doesn't really – he's not super fluid, not super dippy under the edge. So it's kind of like until he starts adding one or two more of those or or starts setting up that spin move better, it, it's I, I guess that's where some of the hesitancy is. Um, I think, too, just my own perspective, I was a huge Karloftis guy. So mm -hmm. seeing him over the weekend, you know, work through a double team, spin off, fight through traffic, still get once for a sack, and then watching Jermaine just do a little spin move against one guy and go nowhere. It's like, oh man, we could add Carl off this. But I mean, there there's that. <laughs> there's always gonna be that comparison. Um, you know, a couple guys in the Discord, Ant, Ant's probably the Ant Rob eleven is the most vocally outspoken of, oh, if you gave Joe Douglas two options, he's always gonna pick the worst one. And you know, that goes back to Mikai Becton versus a Tristan Wirfs or a Mims trading back over like a Van Jefferson, Chase Claypool. Um, I think so, there's still some team fields holdouts that wanted fields over Zach. So I think in, in any t sort of scouting um, capacity, you're always going to have, oh, this was my guy, and the GM took the other guy. So I, I acknowledge that's kind of a, a core of a lot of it, but I am giving Jermaine, I, I think he will be, you know, comparing him to a Carl Loftus, He's a better run defender. He's certainly a more complete run defender. Um, that's probably what he's given you a lot year one. And you're hoping that he builds up that pass rush acumen as he gets more and more reps. And really we don't, don't need him to be a pass rush specialist this year. We have a Carl Lawson, you have a Bryce Huff, you have a Jacob Martin that you went out and got, 
you're banking on all those guys being okay. It's third down. We need to get after the passer. You're plugging in those guys on a NASCAR package, right? And and you're using Jermaine more in a rotational capacity, just allowing him to grow this year. Yeah, so. and and that's the thing. I I you 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 said it the long, the last line you said right there is allowing him to grow this year. I mean, you would think that this guy is through two preseason games, a month of a month of training camp, uh, rookie mini camp. You'd think that people were throwing him to like just patience, man. Like, why is it so hard to be patient with rookies? I'm not saying that Jermaine Johnson's going to be an all pro. I'm not saying that he's a bust. I'm just saying that he deserves a little patience from the fan base. You know, not that we control things ultimately, but I, I just want to. I just want to wait a little bit before we have these like extremist takes only a Sith deals in absolutes. Okay. We, we need to, we need to learn this. Okay. We, I just give him a little bit of time. We'll, we'll know. We'll know. I look at preseason and a guy like Jermaine who still has to work on his game, obviously. And I think you mentioned this too, Sliz is that maybe he's just trying to work things out and he's trying to try things out during preseason. And it's a perfect place to try it against, you know, it, it, not, you're not going to be going against, uh, the Max Mitchells of the world in practice or whatever, or whoever else you, you're playing another team. And it's a good, as, as good a time as any to try out things that you maybe have learned. You know um, I know the spin move to nowhere was kind of, it was mocked and memed a lot. I mean, I thought the guard on that play made a really, I thought he made a really good play. Cause he, a lot of awareness there to get back. And I don't know if he would have got there, but w- whatever, man, I mean, we can nick pick a single play all we want. I just, all I'm asking is for a little bit of patience. That's it. And it goes for Brees Hall, too. And this is another one. I'm so sick of this. I'm sure, like, you're sick of talking about Zach's knee. Like, you were sick about talking about Becton, fat. Um, I'm just – I'm so tired of the running back discourse already. And I mentioned this on the first episode. I get it. I I understand that running backs don't matter. Brees Hall's playing with the second unit running – the second unit offensive line yesterday. I'm not saying he needs an elite offensive line to be good. I'm saying he has to have a, an offensive line. He needs to have his starters out there. And the, his offensive line needs to be better in front of him because these two preseason games, the running block, the run blocking has not looked good. Whether it was the first team or the second team, it has not looked good at all. So Brees is another guy. Like, please, I'm preaching patience. I really am. And, and I know just high level, right? So we're talking, we're talking potential draft busts, mostly in a meme manner. We already rolled out Man, the I hope so. session. <laughs> I, I, I hope so. Because, dude, so, some days I'm like, why do I do this? Why do I do this? Like, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills, man. Yeah, I feel yeah, like I'm being gaslit. I swear to God. We, 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 we got the draft bus talk. We got the funeral procession. Joe, is it time? Are we staking the, the flag in the 2020 draft class as just a, a total catastrophe, a total bust? Um, you know, 2020, that's the headline by Mackay Becton now second year, essentially missing it with, with injury. Denzel Mims looks like he just does not care. I, I know Rich, I think Rich Samini had him at, on his, his stock going up. It's like, Rich, come on now. Like how, how much did his agent slip you there? Is Joe Douglas <laughs> trying to get you to, to hype him up so he can get a trade package? Like he had those two catches and it's like, Oh, nice. Mim's got a good catch. And it's like, you watch the route and it's like, dude, that was the laziest, the laziest route, route dude. that you've ever it's seen. Just it's like you just, you, if, if this wasn't end of the half prevent defense against the second, third string offense or defense, 
Like, it's like, man, does not care. He's get he's getting out snapped by Jeff Smith and Tariq Black ahead of him in in at least the sequencing of how we're rolling guys out. Ashton Davis was really bottom of the totem pole in the safety room. Um, Jabari Zaniga, he we we talked about the edges at length earlier, and and he's behind all those guys. Um, uh, yeah, the the class is, the the one glimmer of hope was like okay, Bryce Hall, he he's the guy. <laughs> you know, at least at least we got a starting caliber cornerback, and that's like man, he he's like on the low light r- list for the second week in a row, just getting cooked by absolutely everybody. Um, at this point, I think the last man, I, I don't know that any of these guys make the roster and I, I don't, I wouldn't have said that a week ago regarding Denzel Mims. I, I thought like an Ashton Davis had a shot at the roster. They, they all look like they're on the way out. I think the last man standing is going to be Braden man. And really that's solely because he's a punter, right? It's tough, man. Um, because I do think, and I, there was a big debate about this the other day about skate scapegoating Adam Gase when it comes to the 2020 draft and Greg Williams for that matter. Um, I will say this. When you look at the last two drafts and we're still waiting, listen, we're still want to see the 2021 draft take that next step, obviously. And the 2022 rookie class has to look pretty decent. Sauce Gardner, no targets so far through two preseason games. We'll see what he is during the regular season. I don't put a lot of stock in that so far because he hasn't really been matched up against a true number one yet, right? And uh, he probably won't even draw that role unless he he really outshines DJ Reed because he'll be on the other side. But it's tough, man. It really is because I do think that there's something to be said for, well, a head coach does have some input in picks that he was making. And you see that over the last two years that Douglas has been pretty much in lockstep with what Sala likes and what Jeff Ulbrich likes. And it's, it's a totally different type of player that, that they've liked both years from what we saw in that 2020 draft. And you can't predict health just like you can't predict injury. Um, obviously durability is always going to be a question, right? You know, well, this guy's missed snaps in college, but with Beckton, I mean, two years of knee injuries, you know, it's bad. You couldn't predict that he was going to eat himself out of rehab if that was what happened. Cam Clark, you couldn't have predicted that he was going to end up with with a neck injury, career-ending neck injury, which is brutal. Um, and Bryce Hall, who I've been a big Bryce Hall apologist for a while, but you can't deny that he's been – it wasn't as apparent in week one as it was in week two of the preseason that he was just getting cooked, man. Oh, yeah. Just bad. Just looked bad. So, I, I don't know, man. I, I just – it's it's weird because I have faith that Joe Douglas is a good drafter, right? I, I do think that he's going to be, when it's said and done, he's going to have quality draft classes between last year and this year. But that 2020 draft, you just can't look past. It's just, it's bad. Like you can't, whether that's because Gase had his say in it, because it was just a bad draft top to bottom. Or this, it was his first draft. I don't know. I really have no idea. It just wasn't good. Wasn't yeah. good. Yeah, I think the the saving grace, and you kind of touched on it, is we've had so much draft capital the past two years with this coaching staff in place, and you really have seen the the lockstep and influence of the coaching staff in terms of the, if you look at the wide receivers, right? Comparing Elijah Moore and a Garrett Wilson to a Denzel Mims, right? They're on opposite ends of the spectrum on very 
very pivotal wide receiver traits, right? Where Elijah and Garrett are top-notch route runners. Mims is a lazy route runner, right? Where Mims is super tall, fairly dynamic athlete. Um, Garrett and Elijah are super dynamic as, as athletes too, but they're certainly on the smaller side, right? It's right. kind of valuing different traits based on the scheme we're running now. So that's where, quite frankly, it stinks. And and like you said, I, I think Joe Douglas does a lot of good. Um, I think he's really positioned us well. And, and I do think people forget how often the league as a whole misses, right? right. Like almost half of every first round is is a bust, like, like barely making it through the rookie contract, right? So it's you do have to kind of grade things on a curve in a sense, and that's why teams do move for draft picks in general and compiling war chests of draft picks is so that you can either move up and get the guy that you think is can't miss like we did for, for Vera Tucker, or so you can throw as many darts as possible and hope that you, you get that diamond in the rough. Um, yeah, that just uh, as I was kind of – just looking through the roster this morning and not that any of those guys got cut on the, the cut down to 80, but it's like, man, Will Parks looks like he's, he's well ahead of Ashton Davis, right? Mm-hmm. Zuniga, he, he, he got cut last year, right? He didn't make the active roster last year. Mims just does not look like he cares. If I had, if I had the option today, I'm carrying Lawrence Cager as a, a TE four wide receiver, six type hybrid over him, just watching them on the field. It's like, this dude cares. This guy doesn't. Right. And, and that sucks. Cause, cause I think I was high. I was really high on Mims's rookie year. And when we drafted him, I was excited. Felt like he had a lot of talent, but it's like, it, it I don't know if it's just button heads with the staff or what, but it, it, is not coming together. Yeah. I mean, Mims is the one that really stinks, right? Because you felt like he might be the one to end the second round wide receiver curse, but uh, it's just, it's painful watching him play, man. I think disinterested is, is just, that's the word that comes to mind for me. And it just doesn't either. He steps on a football field and he totally forgets how to play football or the scheme. I mean, we know the scheme's not for him, right? Because like you mentioned, Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson, not, Garrett Wilson, six feet, but Elijah Moore, smaller guy. NFL in 2022 is all about separation, right? It's all about separation. You see these receivers everywhere. It's about excelling in route running. It's about speed. It's about getting downfield and making a guy turn his hips the wrong way on a move. Um, That's what the NFL, NFL wide receivers are all about now. And Mims does none of those things. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I mean, the one thing that everybody talked about when Mims came out was, oh, well, he's he's a contested catch monster. But being a contested catch monster just means you're not separating from defensive backs. And it's different if like you're in the red zone and there's no room to work, but we knew Mims coming out was not that guy. And it takes him, and he might be fast, but it takes him 15 yards to get up to speed. I mean, he's not going to be fast out of his out of his break, out of his set. So yeah, I, I'm not I, I'm not mentally prepared yet to 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 really put the nail in the coffin on the 2020 draft class. That'll probably come after the 53 man rosters revealed, but I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I really am. Um, yeah. One and, other. And, no, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say that 
the the silver lining there is that we've brought in guys good enough to push them all off the roster right mm-hmm. so it's like yeah we, we we had a bunch of busts that class and outside of the two injuries with Becton and Clark um most of those guys though like I'm not losing sleep that the Zuniga busted because we got you got Bryce Huff as a UDFA that year who is filling the role that you wanted um wanted Zuniga to fill right you you had a James Morgan who was off the roster in a year, but like a Mike White type filled that role that you're expecting him to fill, right? So we we've done a good job, even though we've missed on some of those guys. We've we've done he has done a really good job through UDFA and waiver claims of kind of offsetting a lot of those misses, which makes it hurt a little bit less. Yeah, I think you know you can always play the game of like. Well, we should have taken this guy over this guy and we should have, you know, well, this guy was there. He was right there. You know, the the meme from discord, but ultimately, like you said, if you're getting guys through waiver claims or undrafted free agents and they're helping offset like the miss in the draft, I think that's fine. I mean, you want them to draft more draft better. Ultimately that's always the goal. So you're not always scouring waiver wire and, you know, at some point the jets are going to be better. Right. I mean, assuming that's this year, you won't be, high enough on waiver claims to put in waiver claims on these guys too. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. I'm, like I said, I'm not mentally prepared to to put it the nail in the coffin on that 2020 draft class, but I'm getting there. Last thing on the, on the runway rundown here, before we, we touch on some other, some other subjects and get some other things. There's an interesting debate last week about culture and what exactly is culture, right? It, it's like, it's the intangible, like, what is it? You know, are you happy going to work today? Do you wake up excited going to work? I think the Jets are getting there, but ultimately, Sliz, it's all about wins and losses. Like, if they go out this year and they stink up the place and they go two and 15 or they go three and 14, or I mean, no one's talking about the culture then, right? Then we're just talking next season about, oh, well, you know, they, they were still losers. There's still a losing culture there. I mean, the good thing is that, you know, we don't have guys who are, um, getting arrested. We don't have guys who are, you know, that's, that's, a, that's obviously a part of it. We have seemingly a very responsible team, which is nice, but I don't think the culture's changed fully until we start playing competitive winning football. That's not saying we have to go undefeated, but just put a winning product on the team uh, on the field. And we'll see that manifest itself a little bit more. Yeah. And, and I'm going to kind of take maybe the, the boring middle ground. So I think, I think both sides kind of overstate. So oh. if you have a, if you have a winning team and then have that first sign of adversity and then crumble, right. It's like, okay, when it, when it, I do agree to, to some extent winning is culture, right? If you're winning, you have probably have good culture, but especially digging out and, and you look at teams, teams that have been in the basement like us like the lions like the jaguars it's hard to get out of that basement especially when a lot of the talent you're infusing your roster with you're moving on a lot from a lot of players every three four years right you're basically overhauling the roster every three four years you do need to build that culture with young guys from the ground up um and and it's like hey yeah we're, we're gonna get our butt kicked or it's it's you need that culture of you need to show up to work every day and get better because you are, you're young enough where, and we talked about with Jermaine Johnson, right? Where you got to grow as a player over the next year, two years, three years, you need to not go the Denzel Mims route of being stagnant and working your way off the roster. You need to show up, you need to work hard, you need to grow. 
as the talent we have right now grows over the next year or two or three. And then you augment it with free agency pieces with a win now draft piece. That's where, okay, the culture that we built up that a, hopefully a Robert Saul is brewing right now builds that foundation. We get that belief. You start getting those victories, you keep games tighter, and then you get over the hump and it all clicks. You, you see it to a lesser extent with like the Bengals. And I know I'm, I'm sick of people comparing us to the Bengals and not that I think Zach Taylor is some Uber elite coach, but that, you know, they flipped, they flipped hard and, and certainly have, getting a, like a top 10, top five quarterback in Jer Burrow accelerates that a lot, mm-hmm. but that they, they had guys in there that they believed in and they thought they were good. And they got those one or two extra pieces like a Trey Hendrickson and that puts them over the top. Right. So that's where you're hoping, okay, the culture we're building and breeding right now should pay dividends in one to two to three years as these guys start taking their sophomore and junior leaps in the league. Right. Man, what a middle of the middle of the ground, middle ground take, man. <laughs> this is now I started a podcast. I need hot takes, man. Come on. Hot takes. Give me a hot take on our 80 man cutdowns today, Sliz. Oh, I was team Greg the leg all the way, right? So Legatron. Yeah, le- yeah, let's go. I- I'm glad, and and we'll see. I- I'm curious to see, and and kind of transitioning too, and into the look ahead. I'm curious to see against the Giants if we still have Braden Man do kickoffs. I know that's like probably ninety percent of Jets fans don't care about that. <laughs> like, but I, I like Braden Man did kickoffs last year because Eddie Pinero had a noodle leg. Like that's the reality of it. I'm curious if we still keep him doing that or if we let Greg take that over and let man like get his punting mojo <laughs> synced up. Um, not let man's been very hit or miss and, and I'm going to partially blame that on the inconsistency at kicker and him having to split duties. Um, so hopefully that's correct. So we'll, we'll see what comes to fruition and I don't know, maybe they still have him do it, but Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, the kickers versus punters is content you're only going to find on the Jet Fuel podcast. I'll tell you that. And, and Braden Man having to abandon punters are kickoff people duties. too, right? Punters are people <laughs> too. All right. So the last thing, uh, the last thing here before we move on, Joe Klecko, Hall of Fame eligibility, finally. And listen, my my father's a Jets fan. Grew up a Jets fan, obviously. And hearing stories about Klecko and you know why is he not in the Hall of Fame and Finally, looks like he he still needs to go through a vote, but it's it's usually a formality at this point. You know, once he's a finalist, uh, they they these guys get in unless something stupid happens between now and then, which won't happen. But um, two time first team All Pro, uh, three time All Pro with three different positions, and I believe he's the only player in NFL history to do that. Which, how is this guy not in the Hall of Fame, man? Like it doesn't yeah. it doesn't make sense to me. It just it, it yeah. never made sense to me. Um, it, I'm happy. I'm just happy. It's nice. And now Revis is Revis is on the ballot for next year too. Darrell Revis is on the ballot. And there's a good chance that he'll get in first ballot too, unless there's some mockery. There's some tomfoolery happening here. But Revis should be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, that 2009 season was. Yeah, there was will you'll never right? you'll you'll never see you will never see something like that again. Not in today's NFL. Not- 
Yeah, not with the way it's evolved. Yeah, no, that I, it's about time, right? I think that right. that sums it up, and and should be a good, uh, hopefully, good vibes next year. Hopefully, the roster's on the up and up, and we'll have two Hall of Famers going in. So positive vibes only. Positive vibes only. <laughs> All right, uh, it's time for the flight plan. Let's take a let's take a quick look ahead to preseason game three versus Giants. Liz, we got uh, joint practices this week heading up into the game. Um, no Kayvon Thibodeau, who's out with an MCL sprain after a really sloppy play from both him and the def- and and the uh, opposing player on that on that block. I mean, just wasn't pretty. I'm very thankful that we don't have to see Thibodeau at full strength because I don't want to have to sit through a night of reading. They should have taken Thibodeau at number four. And I just don't need to hear it. You know, like I just don't want it. So. I feel like this is another, a lot like what you heard about the Falcons practices. I feel like this is another week where you should hear about dominance from the Jets team in practice. Yeah, I think that's what you hope for, certainly, right? So the Giants are slated to be, again, one of the worst teams in the league. You've heard all sorts of things out of their camp about, oh, like, Tyrod Taylor is getting starter reps, but he's not. This was the plan all along. Mm-hmm. You know, Daniel Jones, it's, it's like, okay, they're like, they're, they're shenanigans going on, right? right? And so it's like, all right, at least defensively, let's show up. That that offensive line's hurt. Defensively, we should we should stomp them, quite frankly. I, I do think their defense has some talent. I think it'll be a better measuring stick than maybe the, the Falcons' joint practices were. Um, Jet, jet favorite Leonard Williams, right? Um, Stop. <laughs> but I, 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 I agree though with your your overall premise. This is another. We should stack weeks here. We we should go in. It's just a single joint practice as opposed to two days. But yeah, we 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 should go in and do our thing and let our talent shine, and, and hopefully we have good reports coming out of it. What you're going to see with the Giants this year and Daniel Jones is what would have happened with the Jets if they had kept Sam Darnold for a fourth season. And yep. it's 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 just eerie how similar the situations are. It really is. I mean, I know Shane and Dayball came in a year after, um, but a year after when Douglas came in with Darnold. So Dar- Douglas did have a whole year of figuring out what he wanted to do with Darnold before moving on. But if Daniel Jones is somehow good this year and somehow good, I don't know. I'm just saying, you know, in in this fantasy world in which we live, right. If Daniel Jones is somehow good this year and he looks like a franchise quarterback, do you pay him $150 million if you're the giants? If he, if he looks good this year and he plays you out, if he plays like somewhat above average and he plays you out of a top 10 pick, for a quarterback, then you're kind of screwed. And if he plays poorly this year, then you're going to be kicking yourself saying, why didn't we trade him this past off season? Like we're entering year yeah. four with Daniel Jones and we know what he, like we know what he is at this point. It, it just never made sense to me. Yeah. And I know, I think small chimp maybe takes it to the extreme, right. With, with some of his takes and, <laughs> and you'll hear, You'll hear, okay, if you don't have a top 10, top five quarterback, you should re-roll every single time. And it's like, oh, man, that you know, what do you mean? What do you mean you're going to re-roll if you don't have it? What if you have a, a top top half quarterback? 
you know, what if you have someone that was in the Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins has kind of been the, the new Dalton right. line, so to speak, right? And it's like, man, when you put when you pay them that contract, and, and I outlined it a lot with Sam Darnold, it's like, are you really committing not only your next four years at to this guy three four years to this guy but you're doing it while hamstringing your ability to improve the roster around them right and and i think you you put it perfectly this is what if we held darnold for another year and i know there there were a lot of jets fans that wanted to do that right they wanted to beef up the roster around them the roster probably wasn't good enough to bring a, a rookie zach wilson into that that probably did set him back a little bit but it's like man clearly sam was was not going to be the option. I think in this case, clearly Daniel Jones is not going to be the option. And, and us uh, as the Jets, as a defensive roster, we need to kind of keep keep the pressure on the throat, so to speak, and and right. uh, keep keep the misery going in, in Giants camp. Yeah, and again, it's so you know Sam Darnold who lost the starting job to Baker. That didn't take long at all. Um, I, I, it's just. Trading Darnold was always the right decision to make. And that decision is totally independent of who they decided to take at number two overall. Like, which quarterback they were going to take. Like, these are two totally separate conversations. Trading Darnold was always the right move. Always, always, always. Like, there's there should be no debate about it. You know, if you want to debate Fields or Lance or Mac Jones, like, you know, that's... I don't, I don't want any part of that. Like, I always thought Zach was going to be the guy, too. Whatever. But... Those, those decisions, the decisions to trade Darnold was always the right one. And it's just funny seeing the Giants who are literally across town, seeing this exact situation play out and say to themselves, yeah, we'll roll the dice with Daniel Jones this year and see what, see what happens. So, and, and, and if you think that you can bench Daniel Jones and then play Tyrod Taylor over him and Tyrod Taylor gets hurt and all of a sudden you're playing Daniel Jones again. So it's like, what, what well, is this it? This is the... This is the ultimate test of the Tyrod Taylor boon, right? Tyrod went to to Buffalo, gets hurt. Josh Allen comes in, right, and and gets superpowers. Same thing happened <laughs> in, in the in L.A. with the Chargers, right? Tyrod Taylor won the Week One starting job, gets like his lung punctured. Justin Herbert's now like a top ten quarterback. <laughs> goes goes to Houston. Davis Mills who. I thought was going to be everyone thought was going to be garbage. Put together a respectable rookie year after Tyrod Taylor gets hurt. Mm-hmm. So let's see, let's see if Tyrod Taylor wins that job and gets hurt, and then Daniel Jones somehow turns his career around. Like it, it's a thing. The Tyrod Taylor yeah. boon is a thing. And then you know what's going to have to happen is that the Jets are going to have to sign him next year. That's that's, that's oh, yeah. the only the only option. The only option at that point. So it's the last yeah. point in the flight plan before we before we. Uh, move on here is you have camp battles here or any you're looking forward to the rest of the way no i i think just the you know the kicker one got settled today the biggest one is really just that defensive line i think that's the only spot that feels like there's a lot of a lot of things need to work itself out and and really probably more specifically on the interior um you know we talked two weeks ago tanzel smart had a really good game this past week, I, I thought Jonathan Marshall flashed in a couple different instances. Um, it's still a crowded room, so it, I, it, 
Sheldon Rankins probably isn't getting cut, having got veterans rest and what and and the like. Solomon Thomas was out there though, although his contract's pretty uncuttable, as we we're kind of sorting through today. We're pretty much his entire contract's guaranteed. Not that it's a large bill, but but it is guaranteed nonetheless. So we'll see. It's it's kind of a, a Shep versus Tanzel Smart versus John Marshall. And I, I hope it's not Shep. I'd be okay with either of the other two options, but but we'll see. I, I think that's probably the one spot that has the most to kind of sort through. Yeah, PFF didn't have Jonathan Marshall high at all, but I I thought he looked pretty good versus the Falcons. Uh, he exploded off the line on a play late in the game. Like he just that was otherworldly. Like Foley Fatukasi would do that every now and then, where like he would just like come off the ball and just like totally blow Jonathan Marshall did that yesterday. I was like, holy crap, where'd that come from? So, oh, yeah. so yeah. we'll see, but uh, yeah, there's, there's still stuff to be settled as they move ahead towards the cut final cut day of the 53 and settling the 53 man roster decision soon. So we move on to a fan favorite segment here, golden or wooden buy or sell some of the predictions from the jets discord predictions channel. And I'll kick this one off. Warchild predicts Joe Douglas will somehow manage to swindle some picks for our bottom of the roster guys like Ashton and Mims. Liz, do you, is this a golden or a wooden? I think it's golden. Um, I don't know that either of these two specifically are yielding the pick. I think maybe Ashton more so than Mims. Mm-hmm. But I do think one of our edge rushers is going to fetch a late day three pick. It, it feels inevitable. Um, and, and Joe's pulled off plenty of trades like this and, and gotten late round picks for guys. So, um, I'm, I'm going gold, golden on this one. I, I hope I think, so. At least I hope we don't let guys walk free. <laughs> yeah. I think Mims, Mims is an interesting one because he certainly seems like a guy that teams around the NFL will see his size and say, well, we could use a big bodied receiver and then they'll see him on the field and say, why the hell did we do this? So, uh, I'm going to say this is I'm actually going to say this is golden. I think there's room for for Douglas to keep amassing draft capital. And like you said, they they've done this for years and years in the past uh, seasons in the past trades in the past with guys was like, how the hell did he get a six round pick for this guy? Like he he's done it. So I think he can do it again. Cashman, right? Yeah. Yeah. I just I'll never understand it. Who's who's the other? Um, was it Ronald Blair? I want to say that he traded yeah. to. And he got like a fifth or sixth round pick for him, sixth round pick or something. I don't remember what the details were, but it's like another guy was like, How the hell did he get a pick for this guy? It's very strange. Um, all right, moving on. JJC says Michael Clemens has a better career than Jermaine Johnson. I'm just going wooden here. Okay. Like, I feel like Clemens is already at his ceiling, like what he's going to be. JJ, I think Jermaine is the potential certainly there to be more. So I'm just, this one's just just a flat wooden to me. I just that that's buying that's buying some some fancy bull rush hype off the yeah, off the block. I, I know I had my whole Hemet Clemens hype segment and JJ Doomer segment earlier, <laughs> but I do think this is wooden. I think and and maybe that's a pre cope as they say in the business. <laughs> but um, <laughs> if JJ isn't better than Clemens, he, he's a he's one of the bigger busts we've had in a while. So I I think he has the tools. I do think I agree. I think Clemens is at his ceiling. This is what he's going to give you for four years, and then he's going to get little one two year vet minimum deals the rest of the way. It, it, JJ has to hit. Jermaine Johnson right. has to hit. Right. 
Can't stop this too. Oh boy. Um, for the first time since 2019, this is a long one. For the first time since 2019, the Jets have at least one pro bowler. They have two, one on offense, which is Elijah Moore, and one on defense, which is Quentin Williams. Elijah Moore also gets at least one vote for an all-pro team. Wow, that's that's quite the prediction there. I'm going to go uh, golden very, on this. A very rare CST2 optimist take for the Jets, <laughs> by the way. Very yeah. rare. Very, very rare. And I actually think this one's fairly reasonable because I think Quinnen, Quinnen, I think, finally has a group around him that will enable him to play a little bit more free. Um, having having a healthy Lawson, having John Franklin Myers next to him, having you know Jermaine Johnson or, or Jacob Martin coming off the other, like I think that that group is is going to enable him to play a little bit stronger, maybe get out of some double teams a little bit better. Um, so I think this one's actually golden, and I do. I'm I'm very high on Elijah Moore this year. I really am. I think, and and Garrett Wilson, we saw him flash too in the second preseason game. I think depending on you know who the one two three, I think Elijah Moore is. I think he's the good. So I'm going with I'm going golden on this one. I'm I'm gonna ride the hype wave. I'll go golden. Um, but I will speak. I think the two things, um, kind of one for each of them that can hold this down is our our quarterback play consistency and how much we spread the spread the ball around via Elijah. It, there's a world where he doesn't get the consistent quarterback play or the just the target volume as we spread it to a Tyler Conklin, a Corey Davis, a Garrett Wilson, a Braxton Berrios, a CJ Uzama, right? Uh, a Brees Hall out of the backfield, a Michael Carter. There's a world where he doesn't get enough volume to kind of break in. And wide receivers stacked across the league, right? He's really got to explode onto the scene this year to be a pro bowler. Uh, with Quinnen, quite frankly, I think he framed it up well. He he's got to stay healthy is the biggest thing. If he's healthy, it, and and even going back two years ago, if he stayed healthy for the whole year, I think he gets a Pro Bowl nod that year. So if he stays healthy, which he's not right now, which always has you a little bit worried, but I'm hoping it's more precautionary than anything. But if he stays healthy, plays a full seventeen, I, I think he should get to and and hopefully elevates his play to a Pro Bowl level, which would be perfect time with with contract extension kind of being on the offseason docket for him. Google Plex Anchovy. I think that's Salad Face, if I'm not mistaken. It's just under a different name. Three different players on the Jets' D-line will outsack Quinnen Williams this season. I'm going wooden on this one because it's, you know, like loss. I feel like Lawson will have an opportunity. I feel like, that's about it, though, to be honest with you, unless JFM shows out again, it's an opportunity for that. But like I just mentioned, I think the rest of the group around Quinnen is is going to enable him to play a little bit more loose. So I'm going to go wooden on this. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go wooden, too. And I think uh, I I think the path dies after those two you said, uh, you know, I think maybe Martin could have a pop out season, but. With as much as we're going to rotate our defensive line, I think Quinnen's just going to have more opportunities. Yes, maybe it's harder from the interior to generate sacks, but he's going to have more sacks, I think, than a lot of our edge guys, just in totality. Puzzy Stoner making an appearance two weeks in a row. Good for him. Uh, Robert Sala is the head coach of the New York Jets at the beginning of the 2023-24 NFL season. I think this is an easy golden. I don't know if this is like a meme prediction or what. I, I 
I don't think Salah, unless something goes very wrong this season, like they go like one in 16 and he forgets how to coach, Salah won't be the first one on the chopping block. Like if the defense looks really bad, then Ulbricht's gone before Salah is. I don't think Salah's gone after two seasons. Like I said, unless something goes like horrifically wrong, where like he's 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 calling quarterback sneaks, you know, on on second and third down. Like it, it just I don't see that happening. So I'm going I'm going golden on this one. I agree, and I, I mostly threw this in just to kind of address the takes where it's going to be hard for both Joe and Sala to get fired. I think the only route that that happens, like you said, is I think if we're at five wins, there's a conversation. I think if we're below five wins and and Zach just looks totally like a massive bust, I think it could, it could trigger. Um, And really I think it'd be more Joe getting fired, Joe Douglas, but I also think, and hopefully our our ownership has learned not to offset that hiring cycle. So it's kind of, if you're getting aware of one, get rid of both. But ultimately I think they bought into Sala so much. Uh, I don't, I don't see a world where he leaves. And and I know people, you always have to ask, okay, if you fire him, who you're replacing him with and people will say, Oh, get an offensive minded coach, this or that. I, you're not getting an offensive minded guy much better than Mike LaFleur. I, I don't think, and and I've I've stood by this from the get go, and, and this even goes back to the Robert Sala hire in general, where people wanted, oh, I wanted a Brian Dable, oh, I wanted an Arthur Smith. It's like, man, we're running a modern NFL scheme. That's not the issue. Like our offensive scheme and play calling for the first time in like a decade plus is not the issue, right? <laughs> like cha- clearing our coaching staff to fix the offense is not the issue this time. This time it's the quarterback and quarterback development, which somewhat falls on the offense coordinator, but part of it's just getting the right guy too. So, um, yeah, Golden Saul is going to be here next year, no doubt about it. I'm a little confused by this bot lane. Uh, it's, yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't yeah, know what's me, happening here. So you, you, yeah, let, run let's... this, run this one off. Yeah, so there was some tier listing going on on uh, beverages, and several dudes were putting Gatorade in the F tier probably Get just trying to here. show off how healthy they were so this is more of a roast roast take on um on the uh the food channel and and botland here is calling them out here of yeah there's no way gatorade's an f-tier drink gatorade is near the top gatorade's awesome so get get food channel you're you're wooden for the day yeah there it is yeah, I don't know, man. I love I love me some Gatorade. Like I generally avoid it for the most part. I love that they came out with the Gatorade Zero. I love Gatorade Zero. So yeah. um that it's a Gatorade's elite, man. Yeah, enough of that. We move on to our geek of the week. Sliz. Who'd you select for the geek of the week this week? Yeah, so I don't know that it's an individual, or I guess if you wanted to boil it down to an individual, it'd be Mims in some respect. But but this is kind of like a, just like a, I don't know. I'm, I'm just going to read it off here. So Mike Garofalo tweeted, it, it's easier to understand what hot dog straw guy at the Subway <laughs> Series is doing than why the Jets won't just move on from Denzel Mims already. Not even sure that they could get in a trade at this point. Special team snaps won't help either. It's time. So it's just like 
don't know, just the whole situation. This is a perfectly crafted tweet. This is like anti-geek, like hats off to Mike Garofalo. It's just like, hot dog straw guy, what are you doing? Jets, why didn't you move on from Mims earlier if, if you're going to basically not play him in the preseason? And then Mims, like, Jets fans were bending over backwards doing the most gymnastics I've ever seen over the past year and a half, two years to, to justify you being the breakout guy, and you just don't care. So uh, of all that, the biggest geek, I guess, is Mims, followed by the hot dog straw guy, and then I guess the Jets <laughs> rounded up. But <laughs> Man. Hot dog straw guy. I just guy must be down bad to be doing something like that in public. You know, it's just bizarre. It's just very bizarre. All right. So this has been a pretty lengthy episode of jet fuel. Why don't we bring it in for a landing? This is the landing strip. What's on your mind? Yeah, I got a couple things. So even though he's cooled off, Brett Beatty, generational. Let's go Mets. Um, even though I think they're, they're getting their butts kicked in part two of the subway series, but, um, awesome, awesome first at bat for him had a clutch hit, I think in his second game. So you, you love when young kids get in there, um, and the Garrett Wilson connection too between Baby yeah, that was pretty and, cool. and Garrett there. So and then just like, man, school starting around the country and we're hitting kind of the fall cycle of shows, premieres, new shows. Mm-hmm. There is, dude. There is so much to watch this fall. It's insane. Watch the 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 first Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon episode this past weekend. Lord of the Rings is coming up. The Ring of Power series. Um, I've been big on Harley Quinn, the uh, the the animated series. Season in the middle of season three on that. I'm gonna give Star Wars one more shot. <laughs> um, I think Andor is coming out this fall too. And uh, not that I'm an MCU guy, but People are saying she hulks okay, even though it, the whole the whole thing just looks ridic- totally ridiculous. But all that said, there's just a ton of media, a ton of content out, tons to consume. And on top of all that, college football starts this weekend. NFL starts in two to three weeks. Like, man, there's so much. There's so much to do, so much to watch. It's hard to keep it all straight. Yeah, there's a lot, especially the MCU stuff, man. And I'm I'm as big of a geek as you'll find. Like, I'm a huge nerd. I love, I mean, I read comic, I go to the comic book store every Wednesday. I read comic books all the time. I try and keep up with as much, but there's just so much, man. There's just so much. I, I can't, I can't keep up. It's tough. And, and then you have shows like, you know, Obi-Wan comes out and I did not like Obi-Wan at all because I felt like you write these shows now where it's like, well, this could have been like a movie or this could have been like two or three episodes. It didn't have to be one show stretched over six episodes, but I don't know. Ah, man, uh, my landing strip thoughts. So uh, one of my best friends in the entire world is getting married this upcoming weekend. So this past weekend was his bachelor party and went out to uh, Bear Mountain in New York. Uh, did a nice little hike where two or three of us dropped off before we made it to the actual top and all of us turned back before we actually made it to the top. And we went to a nice little cabin and and had some drinks and smoked some cigars, watched the UFC pay-per-view. Uh, big, big, big shout nice. out to my guy. Yeah, big, big shout out to my guy, Tony, who was was grill master for the night, man. And he killed everything. He made Wagyu beef burgers. He made... He made these like chicken sausage. This is like apple, pineapple, or like pineapple something or other. It was really good. Really, really freaking good. Um, made hot dogs. He made steaks to cap off the night. 
excellent steaks. It was just a great, great time. Great time at this, at this bachelor party. So uh, really looking forward to the wedding this weekend. It has a, a lot of room to a lot of big shoes to fill. I should say this excellent, excellent bachelor party from this past weekend, tons of fun. And and that was how I spent a couple of days. Really nice to get out in the wilderness and recharge with the boys. Heck of a UFC card too to to be watching. And there there's some good fights on that one. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I won't pretend that most of us were still sober enough to understand what was happening. Yeah, in that uh, in that UFC fight, but uh, it was still it was still no. I was you know I I don't uh, I'm not a wild man by any means. So I caught the whole thing and uh, watching Usman get his head kicked in like that was a total yeah. shock. And that that woke me up, man. I'll tell you so. Uh, yeah, you know, congrats yeah. to Leon Edwards. Congrats to my friend Sasha for getting married this weekend. Uh, it was a great time. Great time. So that'll do it for this episode of Jet Fuel, the Jets Discord podcast. You already obviously found us, but you can find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and now Apple Podcasts with our new fancy logo. So I'm very happy about that. Thank you, Amy Heller, for putting that together as well. Really appreciate that. You can find us on Twitter at Jet Fuel Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Rivera SN. Sliz, where can the people find you on Twitter? Yep. At Liz underscore NYJ. Uh, you can always send us an email at jetfueldiscordpodcast at gmail.com. Always taking any kind of questions, comments, or complaints or suggestions or anything else you have. And be sure to join the Discord. You can find us online. Uh, the link's not in front of me, but uh, Sliz, I know you dropped it last week on the episode two. Do you remember what that is off your, offhand? Uh, d- Discord.gg slash NYJets. There you go. We should probably put that in there so it'll flub that again. But Uh, That'll do it for this episode of Jet Fuel. For Matt Szilard, I am Joe Rivera, reminding you, you can't take flight without Jet Fuel.